of sensitive. I hear like a noise coming from one of the tires, but I don't know. So, you guys went shopping with your tall grandpa the Friday before, and uh, then we were, you guys sent us to our rooms upstairs so you guys could work, all four of you. There's photos of the namesake and the spy holding like napkins over their arms as if they're like these fancy waiters. It's really cute. And eventually, you, to, I think the, the namesake and the spy, rough road, came upstairs and said, okay, it's time for you to come downstairs to the dining room. So they brought us, you guys brought us to the dining room. It was really cute. It was candle lit with flowers and flowers all over the floor, which I had to grit my teeth and say, oh, this is so great. I was just thinking, can't wait to sweep these up later. <laughs> and the, you guys gave us little wheat thins with cheese melted, like as a sandwich, and you gave us, uh, what else you gave us? I think you guys made guacamole. Also as a appetizer and some salsa, which was great. And you guys kept coming in and out saying, I hope you enjoy. I hope you enjoy. <laughs> so it was so funny. Like you, me and your mom couldn't really even talk because you guys kept, if it wasn't the spy, it was the king or the namesake, your sister uh, was in the kitchen the whole time. <laughs> um, what I found hilarious was your, you guys made, I think it was the namesake, made like a, a perfect, whew, a perfect New York steak. Yeah, I mean, it was perfectly, it was kind of over-seasoned, but that's fine. As white people, we're really not good at seasoning, so we can always cut back. It's easier to be like, let's hold back a little bit less seasoning. And so seasoning was maybe a little caked on, but the meat, was perfect and come to find out I was like looking at my iPad the namesake had googled how long to pan cook a New York strip and you did it perfectly and it was so it was it was done so well not well done but it was so, done so great that I couldn't stop laughing as I was eating it because me and your mom were thinking okay if they're making this chicken we're not eating it because chicken is so easily undercooked. Wow, this is a really creepy sight. There's usually a busy street, but like it's 4 a.m. Like no cars in sight. Kind of eerie. I digress. So the New York steak was just amazing. You guys made us Caesar salad. I think. Oh, you guys made us potatoes. The potatoes were rock hard. I. I you know, it's hard to really gauge how to make potatoes when you're younger. Usually, um, I mean, I always make them, but usually they cook for a long time. So the potatoes, yeah, those were like, as hard as rock candy. So I, we didn't eat those. But but we said, please, you know, make sure you clean up whatever you cook. And you guys did a good job of cleaning up at least 5% of it. So that was, so we, that, that night... After we ate, it was you know it was just a wonderful experience. We packed you guys up and brought you to your tiasaditas. 
and then come to find out, is there a line at Jack in the Box? What in the heck? Um, come to find, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not going to Jack in the Box. Waste of money. So your mom and I had time to just spend with each other, and then that next morning, your cousin was throwing up. And then that next day, the right, day later, the spy and the king were throwing up. And then an hour later, the namesake threw up a couple times. And your mom and I were just so stressed out because our favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. And we didn't know what to do because we invited so many people over. A lot of people that don't have families, and we didn't want to like ruin it for them. They're like, hey, we're not having Thanksgiving this year. So your mom and I talked about it and thought, okay, let's maybe either we tell them here's what's going on. Once you're done, you know, getting sick and you feel better, you're pretty much no longer contagious, according to my older sister, who's a nurse. And so we told everyone that, and one family had the same suggestion we had, which was, let's postpone it one day. And we were like, you know, that's great. So we postponed it to Friday, and we had Thanksgiving on Friday. Overall, it was a great experience. Uh, it was really busy. Your grandma just paid for everything. She paid for all the food. She just kept bringing it over a week or two weeks before. And uh, it ended up being great. Your mom and I were exhausted. I baked uh, a custard pie, a, a what's it called? buttermilk pie, pumpkin, and what was the other one I made? I made four. What was the other one? Oh, English walnut. So that was English walnut is actually pretty good. I think we froze that. So my aunt, your great aunt, brought over a cherry pie that she makes. That's really good. And then we asked her for the recipe because we thought it was oh, it's some secret family recipe that's just really good. And she said, oh, you get it on the on the back of a tapioca box made by Jell-O. Like, oh, it kind of takes the mystery out of it. I was hoping for, like, some sage family recipe. Oh. Didn't get that. Oh, we're turning into the Navy base. And let's see. I'm going to go to the water and maybe read some Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a... From what I've read, I've done a lot of research, but from what I've read, he was a Jewish person that worked in the, like the Persian Empire. He was a high, highly elevated Persian government official 
and a lot of Nehemiah is about rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem after the Babylonian exile. I, I, I gotta be honest, I've never read Nehemiah. I've read Ezra before, I've read all the others before. We've finally hit a book that your dad, I don't think, has ever read. But I've read through the Bible, so I must... How about this? I haven't retained Nehemiah. I've read it at least two or three times. I've read through the Bible two or three times. But I have not... I have not retained anything of what happened in Nehemiah. Tradition suggests that Ezra and Nehemiah were written by the same person. So maybe it's going to sound the same. In fact, yeah, um, I was reading that Nehemiah and Ezra were at first one one book. So I don't I don't know what to do with that information. Just I'm relaying it to you guys. Maybe maybe it'll be helpful. This is a really quiet area right now. I'm a little hungry. I would have loved to have had like some tea to be sipping on while I'm reading, but oh well. Part of me wanted to be out here to see the the, uh, the storm start. Uh, We'll see if that's going to be the case. What is this road closed? Um, oh, I guess the road is closed. Oh, jeez. I'm going to get around that. Oh, wow. It's just so, when I'm driving out here, it's just interesting because there's so many times they just close a road. And it's like, okay, where do I go now? You know? And... It's like, I don't know where to go. We'll see. We will see. I see some cars. Oh. Nope, this is completely closed in. Oh, gosh. That's too bad. I really wanted to go to the, uh, Let's call the uh, that ship. Uh, but there's a parking area that's like very well lit that I think I might just go to because it's all well lit and uh, and I don't have to put my dome light on my car. So that's what we're gonna do. The first parking spot, we're gonna go there. Uh, That'll, that'll be where we're going to read today. It's hard. I don't like reading in my office because it's my office and I want to keep it just for office stuff. And I don't like reading at home because I've woken up the king before. And he's like, oh, dad, what are you doing? It's like, oh, you know. And reading in the car is kind of hit or miss because, you know, it's not exactly, it's not exactly safe. Being uh, just in a vehicle, as you know, you're you're still vulnerable. Anyways, my my father always said, 
you know, if you're ever getting into trouble or someone wants you out of the car or, you know, don't ever get out of the car. If there's someone outside, unless it's a police officer and they stop you, but if they're like, someone wants to fight you or someone's like pounding on your door, he's like, the last thing you ever do is get out. So keep that in mind, kids. After Nehemiah, we have Esther, which I'm going to have your mom read. There's only two books in the Bible where where people um, were that written about women, presumably. And so, Ruth and Esther, your mom will read you guys. All right. I'm just going to look ahead here. Nehemiah has... Thirteen. Thirteen chapters. I'm going to break that up into maybe three podcasts. Well, thirteen. So yeah, let's read three or four today. We'll see where it goes. See where the Lord's leading me. Okay. Nehemiah chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. Oh, I got that wrong. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even... If your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as their dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. Chapter 2 in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, "Why do you face? Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart." I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, "May the king live forever. Why should my face not look?" Sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, 
If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah, where my fathers are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with queen sitting beside him, asked me, How long will your journey take, and will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of trans-Euphrates, so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple, and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my request. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts uh, with me except the one I was riding on. By night I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down. And you know, now that I realize it, I think Nehemiah did write this. Um, Ezra uh, may have written the last part of Second Chronicles. I think that's what it was, so sorry. See? Dung gates. Dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, and there were not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me, and what the king had said to me. They replied, Let us start rebuilding. So they began to this good so they began this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite, official Geshem the Arab, heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is it that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, The God of heaven will give us success. We as servants will start rebuilding, but as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. Chapter 3 Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the, of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakor, son of the Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hesena. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and its bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hekaz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, the son of Berkiah, the son of Meshabel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Baana, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa. But their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under the under their supervisors. The Jeshna Gate was repaired by 
Jida, son of Pesea, and Meshulam, son of Besodiah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by men from Gibeon and Mizpah, Melatiah of Gibeon and Jadon of Miranoth. Places under the authority of the governor of Trans-Euphrates, Uziel, son of Harhiah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Raphiah, son of Hur, ruler of a half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Jediah, son of Harumph, made repairs opposite of his house, and Hattush, son of Hashbaneah, made repairs next to him. Malkijah, son of Haram, and Hashab, son of Pahath, Moab, repaired another section of the Tower of the Ovens. Shalom, son of Halahesh, ruler of half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with help of his daughters. Hmm, interesting. The valley gate was repaired by Hanan and the residents of Zanoah. They rebuilt it and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. They also repaired 500 yards of the wall as far as the Dung Gate. The Dung Gate was repaired by Malkijah, son of Rechab, under the district of Beth Hekram. He rebuilt it and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. The Fountain Gate was repaired by Shalom, son of Kol Hazeh, ruler of the district of Mizpah. He rebuilt it, roofing it over and putting its doors and bolts and bars in place. He also repaired the wall of the Pool of Siloam by the King's Garden as far as the steps going down from the city of David. Beyond him, Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, ruler of half a district of Beth Zer, made repairs up to a point opposite the tombs of David as far as the artificial pool and the House of the Heroes. Interesting. I've never heard that phrase before. House of the Heroes. Next to him, the repairs were made by the Levites under Rahum, son of Benai. Beside him, Hashbai, ruler of half the district Kili, carried out repairs for his district. Next to him, the repairs were made by their countrymen under Benui, son of Henadad, ruler of the other half district of Kalia. Next to him, Ezra, son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section from point facing the ascent to the armory as far as the angle. Next to him, Barush and Zeb. Zabai zealously repaired another section from the angle to the entrance of the house of Elishab, the high priest. Next to him, Miramoth, son of Uriah, son of Hikaz, repaired another section from the entrance of Elishab's house to the end of it. The repairs next to him were made by the priests of the surrounding region. Beyond them, Benjamin and Hashab made repairs in front of their house, and next to them, Azariah and Messiah, the son of Ananiah, made repairs beside his house. Next to him, Benoiah, Son of Henadad repaired another section from Azariah's house to the angle and the corner. And Palal, son of Uzziah, worked opposite the angle and the tower projecting from the upper palace near the court of the guard. Next to him, Pediah, son of Parosh, and the temple servants living in the hill of Ophel made repairs up to the point opposite of the water gate toward east and the projecting tower. Next to them, the men of Tekoa repaired another section from the great projecting tower to the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. Next to them, Zadok, son of Immer, made repairs opposite his house. Next to him, Shemaiah, son of Shechaniah, the guard of the east gate, made repairs. Next to him, Hananiah, son of Shelemiah, and Hanun, sixth son of Zalaf, repaired another section. Next to them, 
Meshulam, son of Berechai, made repairs opposite his living quarters next to him. Malkijah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and the merchants opposite the inspection gate, and as far as the room above the corner and between the room above the corner of the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and merchants made repairs. Chapter 4 When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? If even a fox climbed up it, he would break down their wall of stones. Oh, people talking trash. Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard uh, that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet his threat. Meanwhile, the people of Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and will put the end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told them us ten times over, Wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall in exposed places, posing, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we returned to the wall, each to his own work. From that day on, half my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were rebuilding the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other, and each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked, but the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, The work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears, from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At the time, I also said to the people, Have every man and his, excuse me, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night, so they could serve us as guards by night and workmen by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took our clothes, took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went for water. So, I'm gonna start the car up. Nehemiah one four. I would. It's really fascinating. Um, apologize for that error. Um, so he was the cupbearer for the king. 
which showed how you would think, oh, someone just carries a cup and gives the guy wine. It's no big deal. It really, it's a huge deal because a cupbearer is the king is trusting the cupbearer with his life. The cupbearer makes sure that the king isn't poisoned. And I think cupbearer also tastes the wine beforehand, before he offers it to the king. So the cupbearer is both in a dangerous situation, but a highly trusted situation. Think about it, as a king, especially back then, everyone wants to kill you. Everyone wants to be a king or high up. And politics back then were a lot more deadly than they are now. So cupbearer, that's that's a huge honor, and the fact that he's also Jewish, just it shows you the kind of man Nehemiah was back then. Even though he didn't pray to the, you know, the Persian gods, he was trustworthy enough in his own right that the Persian king elevated him to such such a status stature. So so. Chapter 1 and 2 are about him praying to God for help and, like, mourning. Chapter 1 is more about Nehemiah mourning that Jerusalem's walls are destroyed. 2 is him asking the king to leave for a while and resources to rebuild the wall. And 3 is interesting. So chapter 3, I would describe it a lot like a legal description of property. So in, in what I do... I will write up deeds that that literally state where land is, when, like the ownership of land. And a lot of the times, it's usually pretty short and sweet. This property in this city, in this township, like this area, which is cordoned off. Um, You know, 40 feet from here, 25 degrees, 50 feet southwest. I'm literally describing like a enclosed shape. Typically it's a rectangle, but not all the time. Sometimes it's, it's like a, another shape, but it, it, they have to enclose on each other. It doesn't just remain open. And that's what Chapter 3 was doing. It was pretty much explaining here, here's the walls that were being constructed or rebuilt. Here are the families doing it and the lineages of the people uh, who were working on it. And it kind of followed it all the way around the city of Jerusalem. Pretty pretty well documented, I, I like that. So, that was it's fascinating how they did that. Chapter four was also interesting. Those Israelites must have been exhausted because they're like working by day, guarding by night, working half as fast because they have to be on guard in case they attack. Interested to see what happens to Sandalan and the other guy. It's not going to be good, I know that. So I'm starting to feel. Exhaustion. I see some sprinkles. That's exciting. I'm going to hopefully head home, make some tea, and maybe uh, go back to sleep. <coughs> the namesake is in my bed. 
And I heard the king stirring a little bit, so he'll probably be in my bed when I get back. It was cute. I finally sub substitute taught for the, the, the spies class. He's in first grade. And, and uh, he was so excited. So excited that I was going to be in his class and teach his class. And it was just so cute. He's such a you're such a good little student, so smart and really took it seriously. And the the class was being loud and and you were trying to get them to be quiet for me, like just to help me. Which I had to say, don't worry about it. I you just you know be with your friends. Don't feel like you gotta help me, dude. Um, I made your teacher laugh because there's this. She has this little whiteboard that has like a discussion question for first graders to to discuss. Like, what's your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? You know, who who are you excited to see um, for Thanksgiving? Like, you know, questions that that would garner a first grader to have a an answer. And so I erased that the day before his question, and I put up, who is your favorite parent? I took a picture of it. I sent the teacher saying, hey, I'm going to get some answers today. And she laughed. She's like, oh, my God. She gets my sense of humor. She's known me for six, seven years. So, but I didn't ask that question. I, I was just doing it as a joke. But we read the book, The Gingerbread Man. And I, I read that book before, and your teacher said she was really disappointed she couldn't be there. Um because she wasn't feeling well. She usually buys a box of gingerbread men to hand out. And I said, why buy a box? So I, uh, I'll bake some. So I, I baked some gingerbread men with the help of a spy. And I passed them out on the way out. So that, uh, I, the kids really liked that. That was, they're adorable. Whew. And so, I don't have a lot on the agenda today. We have one of my childhood friends coming to the house to unclog our shower because while you kids were getting sick, uh, the see no, not the spy, the namesake and the king um, were, we took a bath together and it was so cute. You guys were exhausted. You know, getting sick like that, it exhausts the, the body. It really does. Because it's like every cell in the body is just working to get stuff out of your system. Uh, the opposite way it should be. And your body is just drained. And I went, you guys took a bath. You, like, took a bath together. And I went inside to check on you. And you were both, like, half asleep, like, cuddling with each other. It was just really adorable. I wish I could have taken a photo, but... You know, the laws are pretty clear on that. But it was, I'll never forget that. that. That's a core memory. But when you guys do take baths that long, typically something gets stuck in the drain. And so now it's clogged. And your grandpa, who is a saint, tried snaking it, but my snake is broken. And my friend is a journeyman plumber, so he's coming over for free to try and un unclog the drain. And I'll tell you guys right now, you know, get in the trades. Become a plumber, 
become an electrician or become a police officer or a firefighter. They have good, these are good jobs with good pensions. Become a mechanic. And if you're not any of those things, that's there's no problem with that. But make friends with people in the trades. Do favors for people in the trades. More times than not, a plumber's come to my office and said, listen, I'm going to give you half off. If you allow me, in case there's some emergency, I could call you 24-7. And they're always like, absolutely. Because they like a deal, too. And, you know, part of the job is getting called at weird hours. So, you know, get to know an electrician. I'll, let's say this, I'll list it again. Electrician, plumber, car mechanic, um, carpenter, if you have a, a carpenter. Well, those are a little bit more rare. But get to know them because... Uh, no matter where you are in life, you're always going to need one in some emergency. Okay. All this advice I'm giving you. I wonder how you guys will take it. I was I almost um, told I almost told the entrepreneur about this podcast uh, a few days ago. We were having a nice car ride to school, and, but I didn't. I didn't. The reveal is so important to me. If I reveal it too soon, then it's like, we don't care. If I reveal it too late, then it'll be like, well, you should have told us about it earlier. I'll just wait for God's nudging. kids. I wish I could sleep. I wish I could tell you why I couldn't. So many things. I am just beat downtrodden. Well, passing my dad in the box. No one's in the line now. But I'm not going to get it. It's just, it's just too late slash early for me to put stuff in my stomach. I hope when you get to a certain age, you could you would feel comfortable calling me at all hours, even just to talk. You can't sleep. Uh, I'll definitely be there. There's no. I, I would never see you calling me at any time, like even at 4 a.m. Like, oh, why are they calling me? I'll tell you right now, I'll never feel that way about you guys. Raining. It's gonna be raining all day today, and I told your mom. I said, "Do you want to drive the daughter to school?" And your mom's like, "Yep." So your mom's driving. Usually, I'm the one that drives her, but your mom lately has been kind of territorial, especially since the spy has been favoring me. Now that's that's a nice little change. It's so windy right now. I almost want to drive down this street called Gibbons in Alameda. It's on the other side of town. And I um, 
all the trees are huge, like maple trees. And when it's this windy, it's almost like it's raining. You know, I'm going to do it. It's almost like it's raining maple leaves. It's just, it's gorgeous, is what it is. I'm going to do that, then I'm going to head back. Head back home. Well. Uh, never mind, it's actually not too, not too bad. Oh, oh wow, this is really nothing. Alright, maybe another time. Oh. Well, I love you all, and uh, if you have the chance, give your mom a call. Give each other a call, too. Or a text. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. You know, when I was in uh, high school, it was all about getting having pagers. See, because a pager is a little, small little box you clip to your belt or put in your pocket. And someone would dial a number, and when the beep went, they would type something out, and it would be sent to the pager. And it would be numbers. Some of them got really advanced, where you would like say something and it would translate it. But I never, I didn't have that kind of money. But the the um, you would have to learn this pager language, which me and your mom know, and you guys don't, which we use against you all the time. Um, but now, but that kind of evolved to cell phones, where people would talk on the phone which evolved to smartphones, which allows, like, who's going to talk? We'll text. So who knows where you guys, how you guys are communicating um, now. But I would suggest you use whichever way you kids communicate to communicate to each other. Just say hi. Bring your siblings a gift or something. So, anyways, I love you all. And, uh, like I always say, in everything you do, do it for the kingdom and the king. God bless. Great.